welcome to this week's episode of Gin and Beer. I am your host, Meg, and this week I'm so delighted to be joined by Kiara from the Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Movie podcast. Hey, Kiara, how's it going? Hello, I am good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've been looking forward to this ever since we got it in the calendar. Oh my gosh, me too, me too. And it's honestly so nice. I don't have a lot of experience being a guest on a podcast, so uh, this is great. I feel like I'm able to take a break from the Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music hosting duties and uh, come on to yours and uh, just kind of take the take the easy route, which oh, I Oh God, no, yeah. I've done it maybe two or three times now. Not that many times, but it, it is so relaxing. You're like, oh right? my gosh, like I get asked the questions and yeah, <laughs> no. So feel free to kick back and enjoy yourself. Um, <gasps> Thank you. So yeah, you're the host of the Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music podcast. And the funny kind of story behind how we met virtually, I say with air quotes, um, <laughs> because yeah, well, we're living in opposite parts of the world because Kiara, you're from Toronto. Yep. Um, I'm obviously living in London, but also I just think no one's actually physically meeting in COVID right now. Nope. <laughs> um, but hopefully someday. But anyway, um, Matt from Pick a Disc messaged me because obviously I've had Matt on the show. I've been on his show. Um, so for those of you who, who haven't listen to his episode he's great but his podcast is basically just you pick a disc you pick an album and you talk about it um we talked about fever you can't sweat out by panic at the disco when oh, i was great a great album a- absolutely when i was a guest on his show um and he and my podcast for you know it one way or another is basically pick a drink and he messaged me and he was like you have to check this podcast out because she's basically like the merging of our two and i did and i loved it so i was like kiara has to come on the show so welcome oh. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Honestly, like I thought that was too funny too. I was literally just on Matt's podcast uh, last week and he told me the exact same story. I just thought it was so funny where it's like, what can you imagine if we merged our two podcasts together and boom, I know. like I was like that, the jelly in the middle of that Had sandwich. So wonderful love child. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely here for it. So tell me a little bit more about your podcast, um, how you started it. I mean, I was listening, I've listened to a couple episodes and it's awesome. It's very easy listening for anyone who is in need of another music podcast, highly recommend. But yeah, how did you get into the, the podcasting world? Uh, so honestly, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a long journey for me. I had always liked the idea of incorporating something into my life that was music based. It's like my one true love. It's my one constant in my life that never changes. And uh, I had kind of taken a year or so to determine that a podcast is the route that I wanted to go down. I did a bunch of demos, just like recording with friends, talking about different music subjects and like nothing was really sticking. And I, and I wanted something that would make it a little bit more fun and a little bit, uh, I guess, less anxiety inducing for me. I would, found I would always get really nervous on the mic and I trip over my words and I would just, you know, I would hate listening to myself after when I was in the editing mm-hmm. process. So, um, I ended up actually uh, a couple friends of mine, Carrie and Tiff, who have been longtime guests of my podcast. We just happened to be hanging out one day. Obviously, it's pre-COVID times. Um, and we just had a few Coronas and I just kind of let the tape roll and we were just chatting about different things. And I realized how... Um, we had all let our guards down a little bit more because we had had a few drinks in us. Mm-hmm. We were funnier. We were less worried about how we were sounding in the recording. So I kind of figured, all right, how can I incorporate this and still be able to talk about music? So with that inception, I just decided, all right, well, if I can relate 
whatever drink that we're drinking to the album in question, then it's still, we're, we're still on the same page. We're having fun. We're having a drink at the end of a long day, or maybe even to just like start the day. If it's like a Saturday doing some day drinking, it just became a really fun event. And, uh, the podcast went live in September, 2019. So, uh, it'll be, uh, it's been a year and a half ish, I guess. And it's been a fun journey. I mean, COVID threw a bit of a wrench in the plans. I used to love sitting with people face to face. I yeah. would invite them over to my condo. We would make a drink together. We would have a conversation. It was so much fun. Um, but we only got 16 episodes, 17 episodes, I think in before COVID. So, mm-hmm. um, since then we've just been doing it over zoom, like you and I are chatting now, but it's, it's still been great. And it gives me such a welcome break in my day to just like talk about music for a couple hours. Yeah, definitely. No, that's great. I mean, I completely agree. I, had I started my podcast in September of 2018 and I but I didn't pivot my top like the you know ethos to be drink based until um like April or May of last year um during COVID so before COVID I recorded all of my episodes in person which was great but because of that it was all of the guests were like my friends and people i knew yeah. um and covid just kind of forced me to step out of my comfort zone and start messaging people like sliding into their dms exactly like i did with you and just being like hey, you know because it was like okay like i'm i'm literally not like yeah and i i've had like a couple of my friends on over zoom as well you know people i know in in normal outside podcast life but it definitely forced me um out of my comfort zone to actually just reach out to people and it's been so great and now I'm just actually comfortable with it. And it's, you know, I don't get as nervous about like, because the first couple of times you Zoom someone you've never met before, you're just like waiting for your, for it to connect and you're like, Ugh. panic, panic, panic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no, I, t- I mean, how have you found, I'm just asking as a, as a fellow podcast creator, how have you found your motivation to make episodes kind of since COVID? Like, have you found the spare time that you've gotten from not being able to go out and do anything else? Like, make it so that you're really focused on your podcast or have you sometimes struggled to be creative because of COVID or have you found a bit of both? What's been your experience? I'd say it's definitely a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, Like there are days where I just feel so down about the state of the world and, you know, um, get, it gets really gloomy and like you feel that and your own mental health kind of takes a bit of a toll. And like the last thing I want to do is like open up my laptop and edit a new episode. Um, but enforcing myself to, to do that, like truly, like you were saying, there's not really much else to be doing when you're in a city that's in lockdown. Um, in Toronto, our non-essential businesses are closed. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to a bar. So it's kind of just like stay inside. It's pretty cold here right now. So, um, it's not like you want to be outside anyways. Yeah. So I do sometimes feel like I have to force myself, but the amount of energy that I get from doing like a zoom call like this or doing an episode of my podcast with someone is like unparalleled. Even if I'm feeling a little bit like demotivated beforehand, like as soon as we start chatting, I just feel my spirit like pick up. So it has been probably the greatest gift during this time. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful I get to keep doing it. Yeah. I, I couldn't possibly agree more. Like that's exactly what I, cause I, I run recreationally and I'd actually say that my attitude towards podcasting is identical to um, running in the sense that I'm very rarely looking for, like, I'm, I'm very rarely looking forward to going out for a run and I'm very <laughs> rarely looking for, like, I'm looking forward to like talking to, you know, I was looking forward to talking to you, but like the actual act of podcasting, I'm always just like, like you say, cause you know that, okay, I'm now going to have to edit this and yeah. make sure it gets posted and promoted and all of that. But like you say, no matter how much I could be dreading recording, 
afterwards, I always feel it's like finishing a run. I just feel like you say, like I feel lighter. I feel energized. I feel like I did something really good and chatted to someone, like took the time to chat someone who I'm not talking to every day, you know, and yeah, it's, it's a good thing, but no, I completely agree with you. I've found my motivation to podcast has gone up and down throughout all of and not just podcasting like anything creative sometimes I read like three books in a week and sometimes I'll read like one sentence of a book and be like I can't do this right now um (laughs) I identify with that (laughs) yeah yeah so nice well so you have come on the podcast to discuss the gin and soda as I'm aware this is your this is your go-to drink why have you chosen the gin and soda so it's kind of funny when you first reached out to me immediately and you asked me what, what drink I'd want to uh, talk about today. I Gin and soda was the first one that popped into my mind. Mm-hmm. It is my absolute hands down favorite drink. Anytime I'm going out, anytime I'm at a bar. I mean, again, in the past, um, I always have a gin and soda in my hand. It is my 100% go-to drink, but I was worried because it's kind of like a boring drink compared to some of the other drinks you've done on the podcast. Like I know you've talked about like the beautiful espresso martini um, and uh, the, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name now, of course, but it's early in the morning for me. So I apologize no worries, to you listeners. No worries. Um, but I was just like, oh, gin and soda is kind of boring. It's kind of like an old man drink. And uh, I don't know if Meg is going to go for it, but I'm so happy that you did. Um, it's really funny too, because I think it's also just been a story for me in terms of like growing up because when I was younger and I was first drinking, I hated gin. I hated the taste of it. I couldn't even, didn't even want to smell it. I was like, it's pine needles and I, and I, I don't want that mm-hmm. in my mouth. Um, and then I don't know why I have a feeling it was just like when I moved to Toronto and I was going out and gin and tonics became a part of my regular mm-hmm. drink rotation, you know, it's got that little bit of sweetness. So for someone who in university was not much of a drinker and would like go and order amaretto sours, any chance that she got, that mm-hmm. was like my, my go-to. It was nice to kind of ease myself into the taste of gin getting cut by the tonic. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I started to experiment more with like the gin and Sonic, which was actually the first drink that we ever drank on the Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music podcast. So half soda, half tonic. And then Mm -hmm. from there, I just cut the tonic out completely. This is a couple of years ago. And I just started drinking gin and sodas. It was always light. It was always refreshing. I didn't really feel gross when I was drinking Mm -hmm. them or, you know, even the next day the hangovers weren't as bad. So, um, I just found like it, it gets the job done and it doesn't make me feel like shit. And that's a really good drink in my eyes. Uh, so that is why I chose the gin and soda today. No, that's good. Yeah. No, like back to what you're saying. I don't like, I actually think not that I think the gin and soda is actually a boring drink, but I think like that's part of the whole idea behind gin and beer is, like how drinks just represent people's like, you know, lives and experiences and your, you know, development as like an adult drinking and stuff like that. So drinks like, yeah, like while of course, like it's great talking about espresso martinis and monkey glands and random things like that. I think it's also great just to get back to the basics. So no, I was excited. I was excited when you chose it. Um, And to be fair, like it's a simple drink, but it's not something that I would say, I mean, at least in the, in the UK, like I'm sure, we drink more gin and tonics in this country than the rest of the world combined. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you don't get a lot of people drinking gin and soda, really. Um, like, it's not something that a lot of people order. So I find it interesting. I mean, is there – do you have, like, a go-to gin that you like to use in your gin and sodas? A hundred percent. So I use uh, Dylan's Unfiltered Gin. Uh, it's a distillery here in Canada, and it's 
absolutely my favorite gin of all time. I, I wish I could tell you, like, I wish I had a better story in terms of like how I discovered it, discovered <laughs> it, but I feel like I just ended up picking it up at the liquor store one day and I have never looked back. It is a hundred percent my favorite gin of all time. And I'm also a very, very big believer in uh, the use of like real lime juice in a mm-hmm, gin and soda mm-hmm. for a while, you know, and like when you're like a broke student, you're in university or wherever it is that you might be drinking, you'll just rely on like the store-bought lime yep. juice, which has a lot of sugar. Um, but I was just using that. And then I switched over to, you know, I just bought like a shitty little juicer, like a little mm-hmm. handheld juicer. And I would just like stock up on the limes and doing fresh lime juice made the world of difference. Oh, so, like, definitely. It totally changes the taste. And it's so much, like so much more refreshing than if you use the sugary stuff. Again, going back to, you know, trying to minimize the amount of hangovers I have in my life. It was also very helpful, but for me with the gin and soda, you've got to do a high ball glass, lots and lots of ice, double shot of gin, an ounce of the fresh lime juice and top that whole thing up with soda, give it a bit of a stir. I, I personally have never met a gin and soda that I didn't like, but that's my favorite way to make it. And Mm -hmm. when I make my own gin and soda, I make it with a lot of love. So, um, that's, that, that's my, my favorite version. Also, I wanted to ask you, are you more of like a Term, terms of garnish. Mm-hmm. I'm a lime wheel person. I like the wheel on the end of the glass, but are you like a wheel person? Or are you a wedge person? What's like your preference? I am. I definitely like, well, I also, and I spoke about this on my episode last week with Renato talking about sustainable bartending. So I eat like any citrus fruit, lemons, limes, orange, like I eat the whole thing, like with the <gasps> rind. I'm super weird in that sense. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So in terms of I'm really not fussy about (laughs) what, but I definitely think the look, like how you have it, like the look of a wheel, it's so pretty and it like immediately reminds me of summer um, and just like happiness. And yeah, sometimes like a, a spent lime shell looks kind of sad, Um, (laughs) which in, you know, in like your average pub in London, they'll tend to just like throw that into drinks. So yeah, no, I I think I probably prefer the the wheel. It's definitely much prettier looking. Um, It just like, it instantly makes it look like you put a bit more of effort. So I'm with you there for sure. Good. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. I do. I mean, going back to sustainable bartending, I mean, there's no better way to have zero waste than just eating the entire just thing. Eating the entire- yeah. I, know. I know. Honestly, it's the, it's, it is like as a kid, it was my go-to like weird fact about myself. Um, I have no idea where it comes from. Um, but it's how I've always been. And, um, yeah, no. So I think, I mean, yeah, I think like I, I think I like eating the rind because it cuts down some of the sour, even though I am like, I like the sour flavor. So probably in terms of eating, I guess I'd prefer the wedge versus the wheel because there's a bit more rind, but yeah, that's getting a bit too, a bit too specific about my weird (laughs) eating habits. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, that sounds like a delicious gin and soda to be fair. Um, I'm trying to think of, is I, I mean, I'm, I definitely order – now I'm thinking, like, as soon as the pubs reopen, yes. in, which is looking like in April in London, I, the first thing I'm going to order is a gin and soda. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah. No, I need to get I need to get into it. I think the one time – so my best friend from home, Andrea, um, and if she listens to this, like, this is a – it's a running thing that I make fun of her for, so she won't be offended, or if she is, like <laughs> – I don't care, but, um, basically her favorite drink when we were in college and like a couple years after college was a vodka soda. And I've made it really, really abundantly clear on this podcast that I, there are a few, like, there's pretty much nothing I hate more in this life than vodka. Like I'm, I'm just, with you girl. I'm with yeah. You on and that it's one. not, it's honestly not like a, 
like most people, I feel like our age that hate vodka, it's because they had a really horrible experience in college and they've never been able. For me, it isn't that. I mean, yeah, I had plenty of like bad experiences with lots of different alcohol in college. (laughs) I think that's what college is about. But it's not like a PTSD type thing. I've just always thought like it's just a useless spirit. Like it's just – it's not – it has no personality. Like it's just – I hate it. And so I always used to make fun of Andrea for loving her vodka sodas because I'm just like this is just not – this is a non-drink. But we went to Tenerife together and she was ordering them and I was kind of like jealous because – I was like the one benefit of a vodka soda. Well, the two benefits are that it's it's pretty much the healthiest healthy quote so unquote. Local, yeah. yeah, like the healthiest thing that you can drink. Um the like alcohol wise and two it actually is hydrating so as you said like you're you're less likely to get hungover um yeah. it's really good if you're sitting in the sun because it's you know you know it's not going to hit you as hard as if you're drinking something else and in you know when I'm out in London I usually drink um gin and slimline ton- like diet tonic um which if you get like fever tree I think a whole bottle has like 20 or 30 calories or something and it's much lower sugar, um, which is for me, it's not as much a calories thing as it is. I just can't stand things that are overly sweet. So I tend to not really like regular tonic. But when we were in Tenerife, we were at this like shitty all-inclusive, you know, resort. um, (laughs) And they obviously like if I had asked them for diet tonic, they would have looked at me like I was crazy. Like they're, you know, they're having like the absolute bare minimum of what you can have behind a bar. So I was like, maybe I'll get a gin and soda. Um, and it was horrendous, but I think it was horrendous because, first of all, I don't think it, I don't even think they garnished it with a lime. Like there was absolutely no lime juice any, that Barbaric. went anywhere near that drink. And I think it was like, I mean, bottom of the barrel gin. Like, yeah. I, you know, like the stuff, like if you go, you know, if you go to Mexico, you go any like spring break location, whatever spirits they're using are going to be like the cheapest possible stuff that they can. They can get. So I think that's why that wasn't good. But now, especially that I have like my, I have my gin taste has developed. I'm all yes. about fresh lime juice like you. Yeah. I think that's something I need to get into. I, Cause I, I also recently, like I've honestly, since like last summer. So basically since turning 26, my hangovers, I cannot even describe to you how bad they've gotten. Like, like exponentially. Like yeah. if it was on a graph, the, the, I totally agree with you. It was my it was my 26th birthday too where I realized, oh, they're they're getting bad. It's I don't like it's just it just cuz there were like for example in June, so my birthday is in August. So in June of last year, my boyfriend this was when we started being able to like see people outside and it was like this gorgeous summer day and we met two of our friends in the park. And I'm not even going to like list out all the stuff that we drank just because like, <laughs> it's not like it wasn't healthy. Um, but we mixed a lot of, you know, it was just bottle after bottle of wine and like, you Ooh. know, beers and yeah. And like the next day, my boyfriend felt horrible um, and I didn't feel like I wasn't going to run a marathon, but I actually felt like, OK, like I was just like, I'm like, I feel fine. And then, you know, two months later it got to the point where like I would drink like not even close to how much I drank that day and feel like I was going to die. Yes. (laughs) So it is like, I do think like it, like suddenly something in my body just shifted and I can't do it anymore. Maybe 26 is the magic number. I don't know. I think that might, I mean, for me, yeah, I think like, I think it might be, um, it's so sad and I'm, I'm finding that I really, not that I'm like an insane binge drinker, Um, but I'm finding that I do really have to like keep it in mind now because it's like, 
I will, and it's not just one day now. Like I'm getting the good two day hangover. <laughs> yes, yes, I feel you. I gotta say too, because you're living in the UK, like you guys go hard over oh, there. Yeah. Cause oh, I lived, yeah. <laughs> I lived in the UK for a very short period of time. Actually. Uh, I went, to, I did a term there abroad and I was in Birmingham at Aston university. Nice. And that was where it was, I learned to drink. Like I said, I didn't really drink much in university. I was pretty much a lightweight for my first couple of years here. And then when I moved to the UK and I realized like, it would be, you know, like classes would end, let's say it was like four o'clock and everyone's like, all right, so we go off to the pubs. And I was like, okay. So then we would go to the pubs. Then we would go have dinner. Then it was back to the pubs and then it was out to the bar. And then bars in the UK stay open so much later than they do in Canada. Yeah, We're shut down 2 a.m., right? Over there, I was staying out. 4 or 6 a.m., yeah. Yes, I was staying out till literally like 4 or 6 a.m. Yeah. Crazy, like walking home with my group of friends, like, and the sun is coming up and it was like, (laughs) unlike anything else I've ever experienced, but I got to say like, I also got into the habit when I was living in the UK of, of mixing things because yeah. we were just like buying like fucking wild vines and anything that was like, you know, seven pounds or whatever. And being yeah. like, well, this is what we're drinking tonight. A lot of Strongbow, the two liter Strongbow. Oh, God, it yeah. It was an experience. It was a time. <laughs> no, it it's so, you're absolutely right. It's so funny because I felt like I was a pretty heavy drinker when I lived in Chicago. And to like, I do have, I'm getting to that age you know, like mid, like mid to late twenties. And I have a lot of friends that are quite a bit older than me in the UK that I have quite a few friends that, that really only drink like, um, you know, on special occasions and stuff, but on the whole, I'm on the much lower end of like the drinking spectrum in this country, which I find really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so is the drinking age, cause I went on spring break to Montreal when I was, 19 yeah I think 19 um you came to Montreal some, Canada for spring break for spring like in break. the winter yeah when it was um, cold it was so cold but <laughs> also like Chicagoans it, like it was kind of just exactly the same as Chicago but yeah Fair. basically the story behind that was that I went with a friend who her mom was a flight attendant for American Airlines and had like vouchers um and so we yeah we chose we chose Montreal um <laughs> and but it was amazing because we could legally is so is the drinking age in Toronto 18 as well or is it it is not Canada's got some weird drinking rules yeah. because in Quebec that Quebec was very um uh it was kind of like the destination when you're in high school like yeah, New Year's yeah. a lot of people would go spring break a lot of people would go because it was an 18 year old drinking yeah. age but everywhere else in Canada it's 19 which is the weirdest drinking age yeah that is weird like that you can buy a lottery weird. ticket, you can vote, you can join the army, but you can't drink until you're 19. It is very strange. Yeah. Well, at least it's not 21, which is Good like, point. honestly, point. in the U.S., like by the time you legally can drink, you're almost over drinking. <laughs> like you're almost yeah. just fed up of it. Um, yeah, it's I think the drinking age in the U.S. is stupid, but I don't want them to change it because I'm like, if I had to suffer through it, then all these young kids, my sisters, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, and I think like Canada must be interesting because like I think with the U.K., it's like because it's 18 in the U.K., which Mm -hmm. like like honestly in America, the drinking age is 21. I think the average age that people start drinking in America, I would say is probably about 16, like not necessarily heavily, but like you start, you know, house parties in high school. Yeah. Um, in the, like you'd think in the UK, like since it's legally 18, 
people would, you know, wouldn't start until about, oh God, they start drinking when they're like 12. It's crazy. They're like having like a little sip of like, yeah, having a sip of beer, the first sip of beer, a little bit of gin. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I feel like they almost like work their way up into it. So they've developed a pretty good tolerance. Whereas like by the time we reach that age, like you said, we're just like going ham. Oh, I know. I know. And that, yeah. And I've, and then on, and this is, I feel like I'm now just entering the realm of just like blatant stereotyping so I apologize (laughs) to listeners who are a bit offended but like I have some like soon-to-be family members i.e. like my cousin's fiance who's Australian and I have a bunch of Australian friends and co-workers and like if you like if you think the Brits can drink with the Australians it's not so much that they drink more than English people it's that like they a night out in Australia, like a standard night out goes till like 10 o'clock in the morning the next day. Like it is just like, it is a marathon event, which is like, even in the UK, like that's kind of a special outing where you'll actually like end up out that late. But yeah, in Australia, like they'll start in the day and they'll go into the next day. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just like a random Saturday. Yeah. They just decided to like, go. yeah, a hundred percent. I totally agree with you. I can't say I've ever had an experience like that before in my life and the fact that that's like it can be worked into your normal uh your normal schedule is uh mind-boggling to me but you gotta gotta love Australians man they know how to party yeah they do and I have I have nothing but respect for it but yeah I mean I've only done that like I I can think of one time in London actually this was epic I went to and as a music enthusiast I feel like you'll like this story Mm. I so I went to see the Stones, the Rolling Stones, with mm-hmm. my old flatmate um, on like a Tuesday night or something. I think they played like five shows um, at the London Olympic Stadium. And I went to the Tuesday show, which was like the first or second night that they played. And I'm an insane Rolling Stones fan. My dad is genuinely the biggest Rolling Stones fan in the world. Like he just raised me on it. Um, like literally played the Stones when my mom was pregnant with me and I was like kicking along. Like that's like <laughs> my history with the Rolling Stones. Um, so I've seen them in Chicago. My dad and I actually saw them in Paris a couple of years ago, which was amazing. Um, and so went with my flatmate and saw them in London. And that was on like a Tuesday night. And I was checking on um, StubHub or ticket mat, I don't know, one of the like resale sites. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know what? Like the tickets for the Friday were only like 80 quid or something like that, which for the stones is pretty decent. Yeah. And I was, you know, they're the same age as my grandparents. So they're like almost 80. And I was just like, how many more opportunities in my life am I going to have to see the Rolling Stones and see them, you know, in London, which is their home city. So I was like, fuck it. And just bought myself a ticket (laughs) to go see them again, like later that week and went on the Friday night by myself. I've never gone to a concert by myself. Um, It was amazing. Um, But met these guys from Wales who were like super nice about my age. Um, and we just like chatted during the whole concert and then afterwards we were just like, Oh, does anyone want to go to the pub? And we like went out afterwards and then went out after that and then went out after that. <laughs> like it ended up at this basically twenty four hour nightclub, but it wasn't really a nightclub, it was it was weird. Um <laughs> and then went for breakfast after and I just remember like sitting in the taxi, being in a daze, and not even because I was that drunk, but just I was so sleep deprived and like but yeah, it was this was a Saturday morning in London and yeah. it was like luckily it was a Saturday cuz we were in 
the city, um, which is like where I work. It's like a, you know, the financial district of London. Luckily it was a Saturday because if I had seen, if it was a weekday (laughs) and I had seen people like actually going into work, I think I would have just thrown up. Like I would have been too, too overwhelmed. But yeah, that was, I mean, I'm glad I had that experience a, because it was a great story B because it's just like, I feel like everyone should at some point in their life, like be out until the next morning, but it was surreal. Like, I couldn't do that on a regular basis. <laughs> I totally agree. I love that, though. That's a great story. And I mean, I've, I've got to say, just as a, as a music enthusiast, like, solo concerts are one of my favorite things in the world. It was... And I am a... Yeah, Go like... Ahead, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It, like, it... No, no. It was just... Um, almost better than going with other people which is like sounds like a horrible thing to say because I obviously love going to con but it was just I mean you just do exactly what you want to do when you want to do it and you're also not distracted from the music whatsoever exactly you literally took the words out of my mouth I (laughs) I started going to concerts by myself a few years ago and like the first one that I went to by myself was I went to go see this band Greta Van Fleet uh at this uh nightclub in Toronto and I was nervous because I was like, man, are people going to know that I'm here by myself? Is that going to be weird? I was literally like making up a list of excuses on my phone. Like, oh, I work for the record label. Um, I'm a photographer. I'm waiting for my friend. Like I was literally like writing down excuses in yeah, case somebody yeah. asked me like, why are you here by yourself? But then you quickly realize, first of all, nobody gives a fuck if you're there by yourself. No. Literally everyone's too focused and having a good a time that they could give a shit about the girl standing alone. Yeah. And even if you are alone, it's like you could technically still be with people and they're just in the bathroom or they're getting a drink like no one's even thinking about it and you're totally right like it's so much better to go by yourself and like see the band that you want to see than like dragging around dragging a friend to the concert that they maybe don't really want to go to and then you're like worried if they're not having a good time like I will anytime there's like a little bit more of an obscure artist that comes through Toronto I just buy one ticket now I'm like it's more cost efficient I know I'm gonna have a good time and I get to see a band I love yeah I I couldn't agree more. And I like I can think of like you said, like, so I am, as I said on Matt's podcast about 8000 times, I am like an insane Fall Out Boy fan. Well, I should (gasps) caveat that by saying I'm I was I'm not less of it, but just like they're more recent music. I'm not like insane about but historically Agreed. like was the like I've seen Fall Out Boy seven times live um like oh my gosh yeah like in like groupy level of like <laughs> Fall Out Boy fan um and so they went on a hiatus in right after their record Folia Do came out um in 2009 well I think that record came out in 2008 I think they went on hiatus in like the summer of 2009 yeah and <clears throat> They were on that hiatus for like almost four years. And then it was my first year of college in Chicago and Fall Out Boy's from Chicago, which is a contributing factor to why I think I love them so much. Yeah, um, homegrown. Yeah, exactly. And I was, um, yeah, I was like, I just started school, not just started, like I'd been in school for a couple of months, um, but in Chicago and it was like this cool, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, but like actually living in the city and being so close to all these cool concert venues and stuff, like you probably feel the same way in Toronto. It's just like, it was awesome at the age of 18 Um, and woke up one morning in February and it was like, my phone was blowing up. Fall Out Boy was back together. (gasps) They had like dropped a new single and they were having like a welcome back concert at this venue, the subterranean in Chicago that night. And it was, so it was like, everyone has 10 minutes to like get online and buy tickets. Like it was like the subterranean's a tiny venue. Um, so I got online and got two tickets like miraculously, but my 
plan was for me and my best friend Zoe to go, um, who's been my best friend my entire life. And she loved Fall Boy as much as I did, but she is a year younger than me. So she was still in high school and like living with her parents. And I think it was like a Tuesday night. It was not a weekend. And her mom was like, no, like you're not going into the city (laughs) on a school. Like, fair enough. Um, Fair enough. And so I ended up, and this is like no like shade to the friend that I took, but I just took like kind of a random friend who just like knew Fall Out Boy from the radio, but wasn't like a crazy fan. Yeah. And it did like, it, again, like it was nothing against her. Like we had a fun night, but like when I look back on it, I'm like, I should have just gone to that show by myself. Like, cause it yeah. was like, that was a cathartic, like Fall Out Boy is like <laughs> getting back together. Like it was like, I woke up that morning thinking Fall Out Boy was basically broken up. And that night I was seeing them live. It was like the craziest thing. Um, and it was like, to be fair, I was 18, like for safety reasons, it was better that I went with another person. Um, right. But yeah, if I could choose one show that I went to with other people to actually go back and do alone, that would probably have been, been it. Um, so yeah, I definitely, and now that I'm, you know, much older, no shame about going to shows alone. Like, whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I also love the fact that you brought up Fall Out Boy because the the first episode that we did on Kara Gets Drunk with a gin and Sonic as our drink was um, the first Fall Out Boy record. I'm blanking on the name. Take, nope. What's Take the this to your grave. No, this, or sorry, the second album. What's the second album? The one that's got like Sugar We're Going Down on it. I'm totally blanking. It's, that's so bad. Oh, from under the cork tree. Yeah. Thank you. From under yeah. the cork tree. <laughs> no, don't worry. Because I was they... blanking as well. Like, this is embarrassing. No, but like, I was literally like, I like I did this episode. Like, I should know this. But yeah, we did from under the cork tree because um, there's the song of all the gin joints in the world. And there's oh, a lyric, I you know, love that. drink down that gin and kerosene. Yeah. So it's like kismet right now to be here with you. This is great. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's, yeah. And that, I mean, basically that's why your podcast is great because it combines those two things <laughs> that I love oh, so well, dearly. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, so do I. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess getting back to the gin and soda now, I like, um, I don't really know what else to say about that except for the fact that, yeah, I feel like I need to kind of take a page out of your book and cause I've, j- I have been kind of obsessing over how horrific my hangovers have gotten. I feel like <laughs> a drink that's just a bit more hydrating is probably the best move for me at the minute. Yeah. I mean, it's not the, it's not the sexiest drink. I've actually got a, like when I was prepping for, for our chat today, I was looking through, I've got this like American bartending manual mm-hmm. and they've deemed the gin and tonic to be the, the most, what did they, what did they say? It was like the most deliciously sexy, mysterious wink, mysterious drink in the world, something <laughs> like that. And I was like, okay, so like, I'm like gin and soda by association is at least like mildly sexy, you know, like gin is still a very cool spirit and you've got the hydration factor with the soda, very low sugar. And it's just, it's easy to make at home, which is yeah. always a benefit if you like a good cocktail. Cause I feel like when it comes to, you know, entertaining and stuff, um, you only really need to know how to make one good drink. If you can make one good drink and you make it well, you're set. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. No, I think I mean, and it's hipster and not in like a douchey way. It's just like, yeah. you know, it's not it's not annoyingly mainstream. Yeah, I don't really like I trust me. I love the gin and tonic. I wouldn't say it's like the most sexy and mysterious, but I think like I know. I think that's and I'm this makes me sound like an asshole cuz I am American, but I've been living in the UK <laughs> for 5 years, so like I think to Americans the gin and tonic might be sexy and mysterious, but like to people in the UK it's like the most normal thing. Like it's yeah. you know, like it's basically water. <laughs> it's funny um, though too, because I feel like, you know, it so maybe it's not the the most sexy the most sexy mysterious drink in the world, but it, it comes up a lot too in 
pop culture. So, you know, all the way from 1950s, there's this movie, The African Queen, where um, it's it's Catherine Hepburn and um, Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, I love and, that film. Classic. Yeah. And, yeah. And they're chatting and Catherine Hepburn says, oh, the air, it's wonderful, isn't it? And Humphrey Bogart goes, yeah, it's like gin. It makes your blood race and your face numb and your spirit sore. And I was like, yes, gin can do it all. So even from like the 1950s and then you've got, you know, Gordon's, which comes up in the the Casino Royale, like the James Bond novel and then Mm -hmm. as well as the film with with Daniel Craig and you know James Bond drinks like the Vesper which is like vodka and Gordon's and stuff like that and then you know bringing it back to music because I always have to tie it to music in some way but Snoop Dogg did a whole song about gin and juice Amy Winehouse references Tanqueray on her back to black album so it's been a it's been a part of pop culture so I feel like I feel like there needs to be like this resurgence of gin you know it started out as like a cure for the plague or possible cure for the plague and it kind of moved on to become this amazing spirit and started to compete with vodka, which agree with you, hate it, can't stand vodka. <laughs> and I think it's surpassed it in, in pretty much every which way. So I believe that there's a, a comeback for gin at this time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like it's, it's obviously huge in the UK. Um, and I've had a lot of fun, you know, in the past couple of years, just getting into all the different, like, obviously you can't beat London dry. So, you know, Gordon's, um, yeah. anything like that, but I've been exper- experimenting. Like I, I think it's only just starting to pick up in the U S and I have no idea about Canada, but have you ever heard of Malfi gin? No. So it's an Italian gin. Um, and to my knowledge that so they have, um, one called gin Rosa, which is grapefruit, which is my favorite. It's like this gorgeous mm. pink color. Um, they have a regular, like just like Mediterranean gin, they have a blood orange one and they have a lemon one and they're just, it's not, you wouldn't want to make like a martini with it, but just it like it's gin that's made to be like a gin and tonic or it would be amazing with soda water because the gin itself is so flavored that like it doesn't, you know, the it's nice with tonic, but it doesn't need tonic. Um, and that is so nice and refreshing, um I'll have to check that out yeah definitely um and then oh, I'm trying to think of what else like I mean Hendrix is great Hendrix is great yeah, yeah. um and Hendrix think- is like that's probably the only gin where I'm like okay like I actually prefer cucumber with that over a lime just because it just like goes so nicely um, I totally agree yeah yeah have you ever um, had the Ryan Reynolds aviation? Gym? I was literally just going to. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I had I've only had it once and it was on my birthday last year. My friend took me to this gin bar and I ordered it. And that was pr- honestly probably the best gin and tonic I've ever had in my life. It was really? so good. Yeah. And it but it wasn't just I know the bartender puts through some like bitters in there. So that definitely enhanced it. But I have been thinking like it's I mean, it's not a cheap gin in general, but I think in the UK because of like the import it's so expensive here. Like it's just yeah. an insanely expensive bottle of gin, but I have been saying I need to treat myself at some point. Cause I thought that was so good. I've got to say too, I love a good, uh, I love Empress gin. Yes. Had Empress. That's Ooh. the purple one, isn't it? The purple yeah. one. And it, if you add tonic, it, there's like a chemical reaction. So it turns from like a very deep violet color to like a pink, like yeah. a lavender pink, which is awesome. Um, it's funny too. Cause like, I, again, like I'm not really picky when it comes to gin. I do have this really, really, really old bottle of gin in my apartment. That's just been sitting unopened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, uh, my grandfather's bottle of gin it's boodles. Aww. And, uh, 
I believe it's from 1976. I can't confirm that because there's no year on the bottle, but I did mm-hmm. a little bit of research on like, uh, I found like a print ad from 1976 and it looks exactly like the bottle I have. So I'm going to say it was like in the seventies ish, but, um, I'm, I'm half Italian. And if anyone has Italian relatives, you, you know, that someone's got a very expansive bar. Collection. Oh yeah. And there's tons yeah. of booze and a lot of booze is just there to, for, for show. And it's yeah. not to, not to drink. So my, my grandfather had a lot of those on his, uh, his bar. And when he passed away, all, my grandma took all of the booze and, uh, with her and she moved into, uh, my parents' house with, and she lived with us. And, uh, when I moved to Toronto a few years ago, she was like, well, do you want to take some of this with you? Because my grandma doesn't drink. She literally yeah. has all this booze in her place and she doesn't drink it. And, uh, so it's nice. Like I, I keep it, it, it's, it sits on my bar and I'm very proud to, have it. I, I don't think I'm ever going to open it. It's just one of those things. Like it's a nice little connection to oh, my grandfather. So sweet. And it's also just cool. It's just like a, it's a talking piece. Oh de- yeah, definitely. No, you should definitely hang on to that. My, my grandpa gave my dad a whiskey bottle that had been my dad's grandfather's. Um, cause my, my dad's wow. grandpa owned a tavern in um Chicago in like in like the Al Capone days you know like very oh iconic gosh. um he passed away when my dad was I think um like a teenager but um my grandpa gave I think this was an empty whiskey bottle and my dad like filled it with his own whiskey and was like it's so cool to drink out of this bottle and yeah it's the same thing like the, the bottle looks super old and classy yeah. and so yeah no I'm all I'm all for that that kind of stuff is is really cool. And yeah, sometimes it's just nice to have things that just sit on your bar and just, like you said, talking piece. Yeah. To tell people yeah. It's like story. an heirloom. Yeah, definitely. But no, I mean, there's just, there's so much gin out there. Um, I did right before our second lockdown, we're now in the third. Um, <laughs> I did a gin tasting at Heyman's, which um, I did an episode with a guy from Heyman's. People are interested, but it's a local yes. gin distillery. Um, and I tried Old Tom Gin for the first time, which is like, if you've never had it, it's a, it's a bit sweeter than regular like London Dry Gin. That was really tasty. Um, there's just like, the possibilities are endless. It's very Seriously? fun. Yeah. Um, and it's rare that, it's very rare that I don't like a gin, to be honest. So it's not, it's not a spirit that like, oh, I'm nervous to buy a whole bottle of this because I don't, you know, like you're usually no, it's gonna, like, you'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you don't, you know, like if you don't, like it's just nice to have at your house, you have people over, you can just make them drink it. <laughs> totally agree. hundred percent. You always got to have a backup plan B bottle for, for the guests. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh no, it's been so fun talking to you about this. And now I'm like craving a gin and soda. So I'm going to have to make myself <laughs> one and decide. And then, yeah, like there's just so many different, variations that you can that you can do with it just based on the gin that you use I mean you could get I've been I don't know why I haven't done it yet I've been like trying to convince myself to get a soda stream just because I am like I could drink sparkling water until like the cows come home I just love it so I'm like for during the like while I'm working from home I could just make myself unlimited soda water (laughs) um I gotta say, I think you and I are kindred spirits. I literally just bought myself a soda stream for the exact same reason. I was, I, we, I was, yeah, we might be I the was, same person. <laughs> I think we are. I think we're. I think we're like of one mind right now. But I bought it for. I'm literally like going through cans and cans of 
soda when I was making my drinks or even just like the same thing. I just like drinking sparkling water. And, but I have like a fear. I've, I've mentioned this on my podcast before, but I had a fear of soda streams. I'm mm-hmm. afraid that they're going to explode. So I really had to like get over the hump of my fear, but now I'm like, obs- I've only had it for a couple weeks. I'm obsessed with it. I go I through think bottles. I, yeah. I think you've sold me. I think I need to just, <laughs> I need to just like bite the bullet. And especially cause I like, you know, like most people, I have no idea how much longer I'm going to be working from home. And like now would be the time to be able to like capitalize on the benefit yes. of having one. Um, but my parents have one and my mom used to make, um, she'd infuse the soda with like some rose syrup. So it was like a rose soda. That would probably be amazing with gin. Um, That would be amazing with gin. So you could, you could, yeah, you could experiment loads. I love it. So yeah, your, your drink choice is not boring. (laughs) I will tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Glad you think so. But, um, yeah, no, I, I feel like we can definitely conclude that we are somehow related. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Between the fallout boy and the soda stream and the gin. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. I did. I did have a feeling this is going to happen when you and I booked this show in just because like, I always feel there is something like, obviously you're from Canada, but like Canada and like the, you know, like Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, like that North part, like there's just a lot of cultural similarities. Like it's just like a very North American thing. Mostly that people are just really nice, kind people like, um, that's what I'm proud of being from like the Midwest. And anytime I visited Canada, I'm always just like, yeah, these are my people. Everyone in Canada is very nice. <laughs> well, likewise, honestly, I, I felt the same way in listening to your podcast. I was like, I feel like Meg, Meg and I are really going to get along. I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> so I was definitely excited. And I just feel like I need that like, you know, clip from stepbrothers where he's like, did we just become did best we just friends? Become best friends? <laughs> yeah. Can ride off into the sunset making yeah. soda together. <laughs> I love it. Always down. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. So where can the listeners find your podcast and you in general so that they can enjoy all of your episodes? Well, thank you for having me. First off, I had a blast. Um, if you want to listen to the Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music podcast, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And if you want to give me a follow on Instagram at Kiara Gets Drunk, uh, you can keep up with all the things that we're doing. New episodes are coming shortly. Um, and also the guest appearance with this, with, with you, that I'm very excited to uh, to have in my repertoire now. And my episode on Pick a Disc hopefully will be coming out shortly. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Good things ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Kiara. You're welcome back on anytime. Thank you. And likewise with Kiara Gets Drunk, maybe we'll we'll make a gin, a gin drink for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs>